listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today we are lucky enough to have in studio with us Dan Stanza, the owner of Good Earth Water Gardens. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, great to be here. I love the enthusiasm for the intro. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, It's our pleasure, and we're so excited to have you here. We get to talk about, I think, maybe one of Kansas City's favorite thing in the world, which are water features, especially fountains, but water features in general. And that's primarily what you at Good Earth specialize in, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And yeah, Kansas City, the city of fountains. Uh, I didn't even know that until a few years uh, living in here. But yeah, what a perfect kind of industry that we decided to specialize and go niche in with uh, fountains being a part of what we do, definitely. You know, I, I, in preparation for the podcast, I looked that up and we got all of these like different numbers about how many different fountains are actually in Kansas City, et cetera. But none of the reliable, num- reliable numbers talked about the, the person of the home fountains, people who have fountains in their home. And I'm assuming you do a lot of those. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, there is like a directory or some, something you have to file with the city to make it an officially registered fountains. And we and we actually do have um, something on the, I guess that's been on the to-do list is there are a couple fountains that are public that we probably should get registered uh, through the city to make, to make it official. Excellent. Well, but fountains are only like when, when people think water features in their home, fountains are, are one, but what are, what are the other main types? Cause I can think of them, but I'll let the expert tell me. Yeah, so great question. I'm glad you asked that. And uh, there's so many ways down the rabbit hole we could approach this. And and I want to start with fountains uh, as being kind of the basis of what we, uh, I guess, are, are leading into. And there are a variety of fountains. I mean, we're known for maybe the fountains you see down on the plaza with the, you know, sculptures with the horses and the, um, you know, concrete statuaries. And we don't really do so much of those types of fountains. Uh, they might we, might be a little much for most of the yeah, homes in Kansas City. Exactly. Yeah, most people don't have a seven-figure budget for you a fountain in their home. You could tackle it if somebody wanted to, though. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start with a little bit more like we specialize in like those bubbling stones or even we have varieties of urns and spillway bowls, and we call those fountains. Um, and, and there's a lot that can kind of be mixed into different styles, whether you're wanting something a little more rustic or something a little more formal. Um, we've got ideas on that. So don't think that we're, you know, just completely, you know, like more about the boulders and things like that. There's a lot of different styles. But to circle back around to your uh, question leading into what, what other types of water features there are, there are um, ponds. And when we say ponds, we mean more backyard koi ponds. Somebody's going to kind of sit around uh, on their patio and not so much like a subdivision uh, fishing retention pond. Uh, and then typically with a pond, it, it's got, you know, uh, some sort of irregular shape of, of various sizes. And we try to make them look natural, not like a real formal style thing, although that's that's an option, certainly. Swimming ponds are on the uh, agenda that, maybe one day. Yep, those are, those are uh, starting to become more popular, especially just with the crazy demand for swimming pools, too. 
Um, so yeah, we, we've worked on a few of those as well. And um, typically there's like a waterfall or something that kind of goes into the pond that adds, you know, kind of some sights and sounds. And that's kind of maybe the, uh, the showpiece of, of the moving water too. And then to, uh, to just finish off the question originally, there's what's called a pondless waterfall. And that has all the sights, sounds, and beauty of the actual um, water flowing, but it doesn't have the pond like with with the fish and the plants and stuff. So kind of a little more um, of a maintenance friendly option that uh, that people who still want to hear the water in their yard, um, you know, can can have too. So hopefully they answered things in in a somewhat short nutshell there. <laughs> that was awesome, actually. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we we broke it down into three areas or some combination thereof which are, are fountains, waterfalls, and ponds. Now, I know ponds are, particularly you mentioned koi ponds, and, and they're extremely popular. Uh, I have, uh, I've, you know, been to, have seen, shown several homes with ponds in them, have friends who have homes with koi ponds. Um, I don't, in, in the neighborhood I live in, it wouldn't be allowed. But um, the, um, let's start there with ponds uh, because you mentioned something, you mentioned the word maintenance. So I certainly want to talk about that, but I know that when people engage with you guys, uh, a a lot of times you'll discuss the concept of ecosystem with them because that's what a pond really is, right? It's a full on system. Can you kind of take us through the ecosystem of a pond? Yeah. So uh, another great question and uh, to start going real, really general. I mean, we look at, um, yeah, a water feature, a pond, as uh, its own biological um, kind of living environment, too. It is an ecosystem in its sense. And, um, you know, instead of treating it with, you know, chemicals or algicides, things that really aren't in balance, these are more set up to where it mimics Mother Nature with the way that they are filtered and maintained too. So obviously there is some uh, man-made activity that has to be done with adding the treatments and, you know, different uh, seasonal cleanings and stuff like that. But it's meant to work with nature using bacteria and enzymes that are safe for humans or pets if your pets are ever drinking out of them um, that uh, aren't, you know, (laughs) going against... What dog doesn't drink out of a pond? That's (laughs) what I want to know. It's like an unlimited water source for them. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You don't don't just enjoy them either. Exactly. (laughs) So that's uh, kind of the ecosystem in a nutshell. I could... This this could be a whole nother podcast for (laughs) explaining the ecosystem. I won't go down that rabbit hole, though. I'll throw myself out. So we had a pond that was built by someone else. And shame um, on you. <laughs> it's been you inherited it though, right? <laughs> yep. I inherited this pond and they've tried to help me, but it's really challenging with a pond that wasn't built to sustain an ecosystem. And so one of the big mistakes that I made early on is seeing the algae in the pond. And guess what? I did cleaned out that filter all the time. You could tell us how big of a mistake that is. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's you're gonna need to do some sort of cleaning and stuff, and and you know, just to on on that topic with a pond being an ecosystem, you know, when we first clean it or first install it, you know, the water's real clear and the rocks don't have a lot of debris or algae, algae but we call biofilm on it. But that algae is actually an important part of the ecosystem too. So. Um, you know, it's important that we set expectations with 
with uh, clients, with homeowners that, hey, you know, this this is uh, good stuff for your, your pond, too. And, and, yeah, you don't want to Cleaning be Cleaning it out at, of the filter is not the wisest decision. Exactly. And there are other components that, that are, you know— uh, important to have as part of a different pond that that we could discuss as far as what your pond could maybe use at a later time maybe mine we'll is a, not a good example yeah maybe Just we'll do a video on that yeah follow-up video on on jen's pond let <laughs> me um, do that when you come over friend <laughs> there you go there you go um but yeah, a pond is not a swimming pool to where it's just going to be this sterile, chlorinated environment. This is going to be something <laughs> oh, where it's good to right have in, some living. Jump right exactly. in. And and you know what? With the swimming ponds, that's exactly how they they uh, they operate. They're meant to be more like a lake. You know, something where uh, you're get you're going to have all the biological activity, and it's not just a clearly filtered. Um, pool. So it, it maybe there there probably is more of a niche market for it. Not everybody may want to swim in something that's more lake-like, but uh, the health benefits of just swimming in a um, ecosystem pond uh, or swim pond uh, probably a lot better on the skin than you know exposing yourself to the the chemicals and chlorine and stuff sure. like that. That as we all know, if you get out of a pool, you you feel that burn sometimes, and you know that's your skin at least telling you something that may hey maybe this isn't the best stuff for me either. <laughs> what um, we have, what we haven't talked about in ponds is we haven't talked about uh, the fish koi, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming I use I think I use the term koi pretty interchangeably for like big goldfish looking things that are in a pond. Uh, that's the extent of my knowledge. But but what kind of fish can you put in there? And then you know Kansas City, we are like you know training ground for the world's weather. Uh, do you have to worry about that in the winter or the heat of summer? Yeah, great question on that end, and uh, a lot of great questions on your end, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, I guess koi or, or goldfish, um, you can you, we, we, you can use them probably somewhat interchangeably, but, but koi enthusiasts would, uh, you know, you could break it down to— Did I just create something. a big faux, faux pas? And, you you and probably the, did the somewhere. Not, not to me, yeah. Make but nasty but, comments. Yeah, somewhere. I, I apologize for my uneducation. <laughs> We're really sorry about that. <laughs> apologize in advance for our— our uh, general broad uh, coverage on on koi. I mean, you could even say koi. Their closest relatives are carp, so they're big, colorful carp. If you want to, you know, really okay. put them that way. Uh, I'm not really sure about goldfish, but uh, goldfish probably being the most hardy um, of of fish too, and they come in a lot of different colors. Koi are maybe a little more. Uh, they do have a little bit more of the beauty and the desire and. Uh, you know, I think we've all heard stories of the Japanese koi that are, you know, 150 years old, and this one's worth $250,000 or money, something money, like money. that. Money, money, money. That's right, exactly what that. I thought. Oh, they're expensive. <laughs> yeah, and and not all koi are are have have to be uh, like that too. I mean, that's uh, don't don't uh, think that you know koi. If you own koi in your pond, that that's uh, something. There's there's things that breeders and enthusiasts look at that I would not have the slightest clue or the eye to be able to distinguish, but there there is a very uh, distinct uh, selection of, of, you know, prime koi. But there are koi that, you know, are you can buy in the 5 to $10 range that are okay size and will grow and look beautiful in your pond as well. Especially when you get into that um, water garden tour thing, which yeah. I'm so sorry again, people, I'm not meaning to take away from the aesthetics of the amazing things that y'all do with ponds because i know you guys have participated but is there a judging on koi at some point maybe for that 
Not so much on my end. I'm sure there not are some, you specifically, yeah. but they put them on a tour and then they look at these ponds and then it's like all these aesthetics and the beauty and they're every single one is beautiful. So I pity the person that has to make that mm-hmm. decision because it's a whole tour, but maybe Coyer are part of that. Yeah, um, and I think there's probably various elements if you want to go into that. They may have done before on the tour like winners of the of the contest. I think maybe they started shying away from so people who even had you know DIY modest little small ponds in their yard weren't um, maybe intimidated by. What's the name of that? Pardon, it, it's the Kansas City Water Garden Tour, brought Thank to you, you by the the Water Garden Society of Greater Kansas City. Yeah, great nonprofit organization here that uh, has a lot of passionate, enthusiastic people about water features, ponds in general, too. Great folks, great time to get outside, an amazing thing that we have in Kansas City. Absolutely, yeah, and you can check out more about the tours on their website or Facebook page. They actually have six tours this year. Uh, It's not one big tour like they've done in previous summers. It's six smaller tours so it allows micro micro yeah, tours exactly it go it starts i think uh the first one i want to say is june and then it goes into um october september october awesome. uh, maybe maybe it's maybe it's not six i don't know. look on the website i'm i'm uh just we'll just check it there. out yeah <laughs> thank you absolutely all right so i want to jump back to like the second half of that question but broaden it a little bit it was about the the various temperatures mm-hmm. for these outdoor people. And maybe, right. maybe ponds isn't the only thing we talk about, and this will lead mm-hmm. us right into just general maintenance. But the, the, the extreme hot and cold that we, we get here in Kansas City, uh, both fountains, ponds, waterfalls, what are, what are we looking at in, in terms of how that affects these things? Yeah, so um, I think a lot of, to start with ponds, a lot of people um, you know, often say, hey, you know, my, my my pond has to be, what, four or five feet deep if I want to keep koi in here. And really, I mean, even during the coldest winter, I mean, we had that snap back in February where we got to, like, what, negative 20 or something right. around yeah. that range. And um, our ponds, most of them are only about two, two and a half feet deep. Two feet deep is a pretty standard pond, though, and we've got one, and it maybe froze eight to ten inches thick, too. And it, and it stayed running as well. Um, you don't have to keep them running, but uh, you, there there are various ways to shut them down and, and winterize them. But the ground will not freeze solid. We found uh, past that range, even in that negative twenty temp. Now, if you start going more north into you know we're we're as what's called a zone five climate here in Kansas City, and that's a cold winter. Usually, you know, a lot of times we're zone six winter though. Um, but yeah, you start going more more north. Um, you probably do get some freezing a little bit more. But uh, there there are ponds up in Canada two feet deep, and they have koi, and uh, they do okay in the winter time too. So yeah, they're not so the taking them are, out. The fish survive yeah, that, even exactly. if that ice is over for several they inches. Will. The fish yeah, are it's, fine. It's probably not uh, the funnest uh, time to be a fish, but uh, yeah, they survive. <laughs> it's not the you funnest time them. to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when negative twenty, nobody wants to be um, it, sustaining through that. It's a bit cold. <laughs> so it is for fountains though and waterfalls. I mean, they'll create ice. So do they pretty much need to be turned off? Well, um, it depends on the flow and the capacity you have in your pond or in your reservoir. Um, if you have a real basic fountain with 
a 30 gallon 50 gallon even 100 gallon reservoir you're probably going to need to shut that down just because as that water pumps out of the fountain it freezes and that water uh, that freezes is basically you know depleting the reservoir when you think about it so yeah in in that case we recommend uh, shutting those down but if you have a bigger you know, reservoir, a couple hundred gallons or something that can stay running for kind of a more optimum time period, then a lot of those times we keep those um, operating. And yeah, there are um, times where you will have to fill them if we have uh, long durations of kind of cold weather. And yeah, we've we've even had to say, okay, gosh, you know, there's enough ice that's formed where we're starting to get low. So it's kind of a, a call where you have to make in the winter too but once you commit and there's ice on it there's there's not a lot of turning back when things are kind of frozen up too but it's certainly possible to leave them running up over the winter and it leave uh it really creates some of the most beautiful ice sculptures too with the waterfalls freezing over the the water will still run underneath if you have something a couple thousand gallons per hour running too it still will run underneath and freeze on top as well is the one at your facility 200 gallons plus then um, for re- for reservoir, so we have a couple. We have some the one in the up. front that where people could drive by and yeah, the see urns. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that reservoir is about five hundred gallons. Okay, it creates too. the most beautiful, and then you've got lights, and of course they've got all the fancy stuff. It's their business, <laughs> but it's so we had to display it. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, no, th- thanks, thank you for that, and and uh, we we you know obviously had to put the bells and whistles on it, but yeah, it's a a set of three urns. And they will freeze completely over in the winter time, and the water will still be running underneath. And then, you know, as the sun comes out and thaws everything, they're they're still going. So, um, but yeah, there are times where we've even had to fill that 500 gallon reservoir just because uh, that ice, you know, depletes a lot too. <laughs> Therein lies the maintenance. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of the wintertime maintenance. So, if you're worried about that, you have travel plans or something during the winter, um, you know, for your water feature it'd, it'd probably be best to shut it down we recommend but you know if you if you're at home and you can watch it and want to see some beautiful ice formations keep it running okay so um let's move a little bit further into maintenance because it's also something that a, a good uh water feature company like yourself would would offer what, what and i know this is going to vary a lot on the type of feature and the size. So maybe we ought to take like, uh, let's just grab something like your your typical uh, average residential pond uh, with koi in it. Let's call it a koi pond. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of maintenance in just in general are we looking at? And then is that something that, again, I'm, and I, I already know the answer to this, but it's something that, you know, you could contract out to have done. Absolutely. Yeah, that's another great point to bring up too. And I, I first want to, I'm glad that you made the distinction saying, hey, a, a, a pond building company, um, which we also do uh, offer maintenance services as well, different types of packages. And one of the thing that's, um, things that's starting to get popular is other landscapers are designing more ponds into their, um, their landscape designs and plans just because um, they, they have somebody that can take on the maintenance now and they know um, somebody that can, you know, fix water quality issues or even leaks and things like that for that matter. So, you know, what, what, 
what happens sometimes is, you know, landscaping is such a broad industry is not everybody in that at that company can be an expert necessarily in the, the koi pond maintenance field. So we we help those companies out a lot and can help out homeowners, even if we didn't build the pond with maintenance on a pond. So to circle back to your question with the typical backyard pond, let's just call it an, a, you know, an eight by 10 pond or a 10 by 15 pond. Somebody's backyard typically has a little waterfall. Um, we recommend um, at least doing kind of a, a yearly drain and clean. And basically Jen's seen it. We come in, we'll, uh, you know, kind of test it, make sure everything's running all right. Usually start things back up if it's been shut down all winter time. And then, you know, check for any leaks and, you know, things, make sure the pump's operating properly. And then we'll drain the feature. We've got these big tubs that we store the fish in. And then we'll typically pressure wash everything down, kind of give it a good rinse, get the sediments, the leaves, the decaying matter out of there. And then refill it, add vital water treatments. If you have lights, kind of test the lighting system. Give it a little refresh, you know, if there's liner exposed in the waterfall or some rocks need to be kind of covered up or straightened or readjusted, um, get that, you know, kind of taken care of. And then, yeah, just give it a little bit of a, a lift and, you know, get it going for the season too. So that's kind of the big thing we recommend um, for, for doing it for the season. Uh, it's not a extremely difficult thing to do. It is a little stinky, um, a little messy too. <laughs> I've um, tried to do it myself. <laughs> Let's just out? say that we are, oh, we did it a couple, two, three years, and then I met them. I didn't even know there was an option for pond maintenance. I just thought, oh, I live in the country. I got to do it myself. There's just nobody that does this. And when I reached out to landscapers, like you said, they didn't have a good connection for me. And then next thing you know, I meet these guys, and we've been happy. Yeah, and – and uh just with your experience, I mean, how did uh, how did things um, go with doing it yourself then? <laughs> Let me just ask it from that, so, from a homeowner doing it. Um, a lot of labor, more than one day, and you guys can do it at about a day, maybe two, depending on the size of the mm-hmm. pond. But when I did it, it was spread out over a week, and it became kind of stressful. And then, honestly, not knowing what to do exactly – And we didn't pressure wash it either. We just scrubbed it with a brush, which is Mm -hmm. not the best way, probably. And then also knowing that the liner needed to be covered better, being aware that you don't want to poke a hole in the liner was another great tip that you guys gave me. And then um, frogs in the pump or pump not adequate for pond and just some advice there. And, hey, you guys have a system that works okay but here's how it could work better. And by the way, this filter might not be amazing for you. We could suggest some affordable um, options for you that would be a great filter and we can change this up a bit and then it can work better. And, and it has worked better except for my frogs. And I live in the country <laughs> again. Let me preface that. Our frogs get in deal and it's just a whole thing. And we've got more solutions for that coming. We, I know. We're working on that too. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, no, that, that there's um not a city you know, problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and frogs will gravitate to your pond too. I mean, it's kind of just part of um, the the having whole nature. water exactly, exactly. So um, there are different types of pumps and ways that you can kind of mitigate that. But yeah, nothing nothing's always a guarantee, I guess. Too. So yeah, there are less frogs. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that that begs a an important question, which is. 
okay, uh, I either have an existing water feature, maybe it came with the house, so I inherited it, or uh, maybe uh, I built it, uh, somebody else built it, uh, or maybe more importantly, I'd really like a water feature, whatever that is. How do I know if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not convinced to just, just pick up the phone and dial Good Earth? Good Earth Water Gardens, then how do I know that the the people I'm dealing with know what they're doing, right? There's a lot of aspects to this. There's the entire ecosystem, the way it's built, you know, et cetera. Is there, is there anything out there that you can look at besides their past history, any, any certifications, organizations that a, a good company would belong to? Yeah, so as, as we all know, just with the internet and its um, – vast uh, variety of information, especially, you know, YouTube with video content and being so popular. It's, you could say, how do I clean or how do I take care of my pond or how should I build my pond? And there are so many different avenues and ways you can do that. And it's, it's kind of the whole, uh, goes back to, you know, there's a thousand ways you can skin a cat. Um, but yeah, as far as what to look for, um, well, let me phrase it differently. So as you pointed out, uh, lots of landscaping companies are trying to uh, add as a potential water features, but some of those people don't have the expertise. Now, the reality is, is some of those people are going to sell them and try to build them anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so what what can I do as a consumer? Or what questions can or, I ask? Yeah, or what questions can I ask to, to make sure that I've got somebody who really knows what they're doing? Good point. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think I think sometimes people are enamored first with the sizzle of a water feature, and they're having all these decisions to make with, oh, well, here's your patio, and here's your outdoor kitchen, here's your water feature, and they maybe are so um, just caught up in all the decisions they're making that they, they don't maybe think to ask the future steps on that too. Um, but like anything, you know, in your yard or your home, uh, it's going to require maintenance. I mean, you have to cut your grass. You have to trim your bushes. Well, you, you have, have to, to pay somebody to cut your you grass to, if exactly. you're me. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, it has to be done. And yeah, uh, I would say, first off, don't um, go in the expectation with somebody saying, you know, if you ask what kind of maintenance is involved, and they say, oh, there's no maintenance, just fill it up with lie. water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be a lie. Speaking from yeah. experience. <laughs> that, would, that would be maybe more of just ignorance there. But um, yeah, first, you know, ask, you know, what, what do I need to think about with maintenance? And if, if they say there's no maintenance involved, maybe you should uh, dig a little bit deeper into ask that too. Ask another question. Yeah, ask, keep asking questions. Dig, dig a little bit deeper, but don't take that answer at face value there uh, unless they just have some really um, crazy logical solution, which I, I haven't heard anything like that yet. So In I, how I many years? How many suspicious. years have you been doing this? So I built my pond in two, first uh, first pond in two thousand three. So um, yeah, I guess just uh, 17, yeah. 17, eighteen years. Eighteen yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was in high school to be fair, so I wasn't a business owner doing this. I, I was my my father, which is a different story, landscape contractor, went into building ponds, and so that's where I got the experience from that too. Um, so yeah, I would say next step if your landscaping company um, is going to build something. Um, you know, check, just see what they um, have done in their portfolio too and, and see some of their work and just make sure that everything um, makes sense and lines up. And if it sounds too good to be true, um, although a water feature is too good to be true in my opinion, 
a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, d- just just question. I would I would say verify. Um, you you can trust, but verify would would be a good approach to look at it. And then maybe reach out to a water feature company, get a second opinion. Somebody, somebody that just specializes in the niche in the industry, and it doesn't always have to be us. Obviously, there's um, companies nationwide that just specialize in building ponds. And and if you ask, uh, there's if there's certifications, there are. It's not nearly as broad as maybe like the construction industry or you know any uh, other types of trades. Um, there's not like a vocational college for ponds, but uh, we are uh, we belong to a, a uh, industry or a manufacturer's certification called a certified aquascape contractor or CAC. And aquascape is the um, company that manufactures the water feature project products, and they also uh, install too. So they have their own research and development on their own, and they're North America's largest uh, water feature. Uh, distributor or manufacturer as well. Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Excellent. All right. We're getting close to the end. So I've got the question we ask every podcast guest. So what's the craziest thing you've seen or done in a, in a home water feature? Craziest thing seen or done. So I guess recently we did a project where, um, this, this, there was a pond and it was, um, a spring fed pond and the, it's hard to explain, but it, it, it's basically a moat, half of a moat around the pond. Like the pond went right up to the foundation of the home, and uh, it was con- it was all concreted in, very thick concrete. Um, and uh, there was kind of two levels. One one part was like an upper pond, and then it went through these giant piers. I mean, the house is just um, it's it's a Frank Lloyd Wright style home and, and stuff. So they tried to mimic that very famous uh, waterfall kind of going through. I think that one's in Pennsylvania, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but they, they had the waterfall kind of going over weir into the lower pond. And then there was a lake below um, that it kind of overflowed into as well. But it was spring-fed. And um, just just uh, they, they were originally kind of pumping up from the lake and stuff and and this is probably not making a whole lot of sense to somebody listening to this it'd be better if you saw it on video <laughs> what's um, the name of it uh it's in it's in lock lloyd subdivision i guess you could probably look at is that like the our, one with the scuba diving you could we you could go scuba diving in it it's 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 not like known for it though okay um but yeah it's a spring fed pond and and um it just we it just needed some help with having better circulation and and water flow. So we went in, renovated a large portion of the lower pond, added some intake bay coves and added some extra pumps and made it kind of its own enclosed system. So this, this is a house you're talking about, though, not a, the subdivision. Yeah, it's so a house. They've, they've got dual ponds that are spring and lake fed, and it works as a moat. It, it's, it's, it's surrounding half probably half of their home it, it just goes right up to the foundation too so it's, it's really cool really neat views from inside the home are, are there in, are there embattlements are there arrows I mean I'm, I'm picturing now something I'd play in an RPG game or something <laughs> no project too small no, <laughs> no project kidding. too big yeah friends. right exactly but yeah there, there is a, a, a tower at the top that overlooks the lake so I guess, I guess you could say yeah that's that's kind of your um your your cherry on the top for an RPG game to snipe right. or somebody. Wow. <laughs> and Camelot has arrived. <laughs> That's right. 
Excellent. So uh, people are going to be excited about uh, finding somebody here in Kansas City that's really good and competent and knows what they're talking about. So, Dan, how do they get a hold of you at Good Earth? Various ways. Um, I would say the best way is to go to our website, goodearthwatergardens.com. Um, whether you're just thinking about a pond or you're ready to take the steps into setting up a consultation. And, and you check can, out their time-lapse videos. They're really cool. Yeah, that's on our uh, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, you can follow us on YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we have kind of like our own little vlog that's been sporadic on getting up, but it, we're getting it rolling a lot better. Instagram's pretty consistent. Facebook, social media on that end. Uh, check us out there. But you can download our idea book pricing guide if you kind of just want to see what does a water feature cost? What am I starting with? You know, what is he talking about? And then if you'd like to take the next steps, um, you know, we can talk about setting up an on-site consultation, or if you'd like to come out to our showroom, uh, which Jen mentioned earlier, and uh, see kind of what different styles of features are available. We have all three fountains, ponds, pondless waterfalls that we'd ha be happy to walk around and show you too. And for those of you listening here in the Kansas City area, that is right over by the Zona Rosa area. So not far from our Gladstone studio. Excellent. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure and, and very educational, so I really appreciate it. Hey, I hope you got something out of it. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, this was, this was a blast. Thanks, Dan. Okay, everybody, that's it for Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.